Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right. Welcome to November, you guys. Hard to believe it's already almost winter time. I love it. It's my favorite month. I know you love it. You <laughs> November is your favorite? Hands down. Favorite month oh of the year. Gosh. <laughs> I like, but I was even waking up this morning when it was 645, which we got to sleep in because Will slept in this morning. Nice. And it was dark. And I was I like, know. this is why I don't like fall. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I get it. <laughs> it's so funny. I was asking on our, I was sharing on our Instagram the other day that I just dislike fall. I saw that very, mm-hmm. very much. And I said, oh, I probably just offended, you know, 90% of people saying that. And so then I did a poll and I said, yep. do you love fall? And it was something like 87% of people said, yeah, of course they did. How could they not? <laughs> I know I'm not a fall person. I love, love the summer, but that's okay. So we're excited to dive into this week's episode. We're going to be talking about a really simple three-step strategy for creating really the perfect essential question for your literature unit. This is something that we you know, are all about at EB Academics. We talk about it extensively in our EB writing program, but it's also at the heart of a lot of the resources that we create in our EB Teachers Club for our EB teachers. So I'm excited to get into this because it is something that we get asked about a lot. A lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so I'd love to know, Jessica, I'll ask you kind of why and why we use essential questions if you want to talk into that. And then we'll go through a very clear, like three-step strategy yep. that you can use to think about as you're crafting your essential questions. So why do we use essential questions? Why do we even talk about them? Why are they important for our novel units or for any unit really that we're studying, even if it's science, right? Essential questions are super important. Yeah. Why do we believe in them so much? Right. Well, lots of reasons, right? But I think there are three main reasons. And the first is that it just provides focus for your literature unit or whatever unit you're studying, right? It allows your students to have a lens through which they have their discussions, through which they write about. Otherwise, there can be so many things we talk about in a piece of literature, right? So it gives us focus. It makes our discussions stronger. It makes our writing stronger. Second, it allows us to hone in on a very specific aspect of ELA. Like I just mentioned, there's so much to focus on. So we can frame our essential questions on characterization or theme or some other topic and really allow our students to do a deep dive and again, thus have more critical thinking responses. And finally, and this I think might be my favorite, Mm -hmm. when we give students our essential question, and we'll talk about when we give it to them because that's very important, but it allows students to find relevant evidence. There is nothing worse as an ELA teacher, right? When you're sitting down on a Sunday and you're grading your 36 responses to literature and you're like, this doesn't even make sense. What is this evidence? What does it mean? I don't even remember this quote. What does it have to do with anything? But if we give our students the essential question and we really practice this skill with them, then they can find relevant evidence throughout the text and come up with much stronger essays, which makes our lives much easier as we grade. (laughs) There's nothing worse than giving students an essay question that is 
seemingly unanswerable and is very confusing. You know, we're going to get into that today. (laughs) Yes. We'll give you some examples. Um, I remember back in my first few years teaching, just really having no concept of like what a good essential question was, you know, first year, second year, it wasn't really taught in my master's program, which is unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we had great ma- master's programs yeah. that we both went to. Um, but I just remember, you know, going online and looking for like essay questions for Siddhartha. Mm-hmm. And those were the questions that I would use. And it wasn't thoughtful, you know, it wasn't intentional. And that's why I love what we're going to talk about today, because it makes what you're doing, going to do with your students and the essential question that you'll come up with really intentional and meaningful and purposeful for what it is that you're actually studying as opposed to just pulling something online and being right. like, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, so true. Yeah. And I think to add some clarity here, sometimes as teachers, you know, we think essential questions, that's my question for the year or the semester, trimester, whatever. In this case, in today's episode, we're really talking about an essential question for a specific piece of literature or a unit. So that might fit into a broader essential question, but just keep in mind that these are, you know, for a particular text. Yes. Good point. Very good point. Because a lot of people do do that. Yeah. You know, you have your higher level and tiered kind of essential questions. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's get into kind of our three-step strategy. So these are three things that we'll walk you through for creating not just any essential question, but a strong essential question for any unit that you're studying. So think of Mm -hmm. this in terms of like whatever literature focus you have right now, it can be nonfiction, can be fiction, what have you. This works for poetry. It works for short stories, novels, et cetera. So the first thing that you're going to do when you sit down, you know, with a blank piece of paper and you're like, okay, what's my essential question going to be for this particular unit? The first thing that you want to do is identify the theme or themes in the text. So you're going to go with that kind of as like the foundation, like starting point to get your wheels turning, brainstorming, things like that. So some general topics to help you get started with identifying themes that we share with our EB teachers is simple things, love, power and greed, right? That's in so much literature that we read man versus nature or, you know, person versus nature, et cetera. Um, technology and progress, human relationships, family and friendships growing up. How many coming of age novels do we read with our students, right? Race and prejudice, death and mortality, social changes, abandonment and acceptance, just a few ones to kind of get your wheels turning of, okay, what novel am I looking at? What are some of the larger themes that are going to be present in this novel that I'm going to be teaching and reading through with my students? So that's the first place that you want to start is identifying like the main theme themes in the text. And a little shortcut or hack for you, use the website Schmoop. I know you and I both did this, right? (laughs) Google it and find your piece of literature. And then there is a section on there for themes and it really narrows it down for you. It saves you so much time. Yes. I love that. Schmoop. Schmoop. Check it out. Yes. Um, Okay. So step two, you've identified your themes, right? Now you go into the second part and you really hone in on the lessons you want your students to learn by reading this piece of literature. I mean, you chose it for a reason or it was mandated for you. (laughs) Either way, there is a reason it was selected for your students. It's not just like, okay, we're picking any old book to read. What's the bigger purpose? What are the big takeaways your students are going to um, leave this novel with? Jot those down and they might change year to year, but it's nice to just pencil them in and really start thinking about the deeper purpose of reading that piece of literature. And that's going to help you create a more... um, a well thought out essential question, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then when you sit down, you know, you're looking at the lessons, you're looking at the themes, what do we want our students to walk away with, et cetera. Now you're going to ask yourself kind of guided questions to make sure that 
as you start to have your wheels turning and you start to think about, okay, this is kind of where I want to go with my essential question, that this is going to leave your question um, successful, if you will, right? To make sure that it really is a strong essential question. So the first thing that you want to do when you start creating your questions or thinking about them is, does this question require my students to support their answers with evidence from the text? So often in our private Facebook group with our EB teachers, you know, we'll see um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like an example, essential question mm-hmm. that a teacher wants to use. And it isn't based on the text, right? It's based on in your experience, you know, and things right. like that for our students, which there's a time and place for those types of questions. Absolutely. But if we're looking for text-based responses and strong essential questions for our literature units, for our students, we want to make sure that they are using evidence from the text to support their answers. So does the question require them to do that? Question number two that you want to ask yourself is, is this question going to encourage my students to analyze different perspectives? Now, this might not always be the case for every essential question, but for a lot of them, when we're talking about, you know, difficult topics and concepts, we want our students to look at things from various perspectives. That's the beauty of being an English teacher is you get to do that right with your students. Question number three that you want to ask yourself Does this question allow my students to create thoughtful connections as they justify their claims? Sometimes we'll ask a question that really kind of lends itself to a yes or no, and there's no critical thinking behind it. There's no ability for students to really justify their reasoning, relating it back to the claim and ultimately the essential question. So does it really allow those thoughtful connection? And then the last question that you want to ask is, does this question spark debate? Is this that open-ended question where there could be differing opinions? You know, a good example from my Romeo and Juliet unit Mm -hmm. that I love doing is who's most responsible for the deaths of Romeo and Juliet? That is open-ended. Students have multiple answers to that every year. There are all kinds of other essential questions that you could use for Romeo and Juliet. That's one of the ones that I give my students open-ended sparks debate. Students will get upset, you know, up in arms that it was Friar Lawrence (laughs) or someone else, et cetera. So those are the four questions that you want to ask yourself as you're thinking about your essential question and starting to write it down on paper. Does it meet kind of all of those criteria? Right. So just quick overview there. When you're creating your essential questions, determine the themes, ask yourself why your students are reading this particular text. What's the lesson or takeaway for them? And then really ask yourself the questions, right? About your essential question. Is it text dependent? Will students be able to analyze it, et cetera? So that's the basis for forming any essential questions. But now we want to walk you through a real life example, right? So when you sit down to actually do this, what it might look like. So we're going to go through the example of the book, Bud Not Buddy, right? By Christopher Paul Curtis. This is one I taught in fifth grade with my students. We actually have a novel unit for this inside the EB Teachers Club. So if you are a member, you can go get this exact unit. But what it typically looks like is you're going to read this novel with your students and you're saying, okay, I know I need an essential question. I know they're going to write some type of literary response to it. So what do you do? You go online, right? And you start searching critical thinking questions for um, Bud Not Buddy or essential questions for Bud Not Buddy. And that's exactly what I did when we were getting the notes together for this episode. And I just wanted to see what's out there. And so this is one I found. I want to share it with you. And I did adjust it a little bit just so I wasn't, you know, copying it straight from the internet for you. Um, But this is what I found. It said, the protagonist Bud experiences obvious obstacles which have made his life challenging. Explain in writing, including supporting details from the novel, why the reader is able to relate to Bud and even admire him for these challenges. Do you admire Bud? Why or why not? 
<laughs> and I hear Caitlin already giggling. And my reaction was more like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> because it drives me crazy. This is what's out there for us. This is what's available, unfortunately. And I'm going to tell you why I don't like this question. There's a lot of reasons. <laughs> it is so hard for students to answer. There is so much going on in that question, right? There's not a clear focus, which is going to lead to an unfocused essay or response to literature. Are students writing about the obvious obstacles Bud is facing? Are they using details? Are they explaining why they admire him? Are they picking an obstacle? There's a lot going on there. And it's not necessarily evidence-based or text-dependent, right? There's nowhere in the question that says they need to do that. It just says you supporting details, but then even look at the question itself. Do you admire Bud? You know, right away, students are going to start saying, yes, I admire Bud or no, I don't. And Caitlin and I both always say, you know, no personal pronouns (laughs) in a text-dependent essay. So you're kind of setting your students up for not a successful writing experience and then a really painful day of grading for you. And I've seen this so often in the past in classrooms I've worked on. But what we can do is we can use that question and kind of morph it to create our own using the criteria that we talked about earlier in this episode. So again, if we're reading Bud Not Buddy, we want to start thinking to ourselves, why are our students reading this book? What are some of the themes? And with that book, you really might talk about the resiliency that Bud faces when he, um, or excuse me, that he experiences when he faces those obstacles and how students are resilient in life too. So that might be a, a real cornerstone of your discussion. So why not have an essential question about that resiliency or about those obstacles? So I want you to listen to this question now and see if it meets the criteria of being text dependent, of having students, you know, analyze different perspectives, but also giving them a focus. Mm -hmm. So here's option number two for Bud Not Buddy. The protagonist Bud experiences obvious obstacles throughout the course of the story. Which obstacle helped Bud develop the most resilience? Support your reasoning using evidence from the text. Hopefully you see what's happening here, right? There's a clear focus. Students are now determining one obstacle that Bud faces. So you can see that, you know, Caitlin might have a very different answer than my own answer. So it's allowing them to debate a little bit in the classroom, right? They're analyzing different perspectives. They must use evidence from the text. It's focused on resiliency, one of the topics or themes that you've been discussing with the novel. So it sets students up so much better for a successful writing experience. So we hope that, you know, that's helpful for you to hear those examples and kind of say, oh yeah, that didn't discuss a theme or that wasn't text dependent or whatever it is. And maybe kind of question the essential questions that you're using in the classroom, (laughs) right? Yes. I want to add one other thing too, as you were reading through everything in that example that you pulled from online, I know in a lot of like state testing example uh, experiences, right? That's what students are going to see are those kind of convoluted, challenging questions. And so if we can teach our students how to write well through clear, focused questions first, and then talk to them about, okay, you know, we understand how to write well. We understand how to write strong text-dependent essays now that we have a clear focus and I've given you great essential questions throughout the school year. Well, now we can look at those kind of more difficult, convoluted questions like the one Jessica shared that she found online and figure out a way to answer that type of question using the knowledge that I now have about how to write well, right? But if we're giving our students those really 
convoluted, challenging, you know, ambiguous questions to begin with, we're not giving them an opportunity to really learn and acquire these writing skills for text-dependent essays that they need before they go into state testing and see those types of questions on state testing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Example. Good point. Yeah. So anyways, I hope that was helpful for you guys. You know, essential questions are really important for your, your units. And you said at the beginning of the year, or I'm sorry, at the beginning of the episode, and I want to mention this before we exit today, when do we give yes. our students oh, their essential questions? Like, pay yes. attention here. <laughs> if you that for a little bit, come back. This is big. You go ahead. Oh, I'll I can see it. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is key. At the start of any literature unit, that's when you give your students the essential question. So for Bud Not Buddy, on the day I pass out those novels to my students, I'm going to give them that really strong essential question. If it's their own version of the book, I might even have them write it in the book. And I'm going to give them an evidence tracker so that as we read, we're searching for evidence. Anytime Bud is facing an obstacle, we're writing it down and we're analyzing it so that at the end of the novel, when students go to write their response to literature, that's where they can go back on their evidence tracker, their piece of paper, and they can pick the obstacle that they want to focus on. This is so, so important because it helps students choose relevant evidence. They're not saying, oh yeah, is there a quote? What was that obstacle he faced in chapter eight? I don't remember. I can't find it, right? It's a waste of time in class. Now, as students get more proficient at writing, yes, you might not need to give them the essential question at the start of the unit. But at the beginning of the year, and especially with fifth, sixth grade, I would do that as often as I could. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With my eighth graders, I gave them the essential question at the beginning you know, of the House on Mango Street, because that's our first novel that we do and the beginning of our short story unit. And then after that, I don't give it to them. And in fact, I'll give them you know, maybe three challenging and important essential questions at the end of Romeo and Juliet, and they get to pick right? Which one they want to answer. And I might rate them based on difficulty and give them extra credit points if they answer the more difficult one. So there are kind of all types of ways that you can play with essential questions and when you give them to your students. But I think the most important takeaway of what Jessica just said is that at the beginning of the year, when you are first teaching your students how to write what we call responses to literature, text-dependent essays, you want to give this to them at the beginning of that novel, at the beginning of that unit, use an evidence tracker and really show them how to find evidence as they are reading and keep track of that evidence as they go along. Um, was there anything else that we needed to add? I think that's kind of... I don't think so. I think that's, that's it. it. There's a lot of information there. You might need to go back and listen to, <laughs> listen to it time. again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so for those of you that are in our EB Teachers Club, our essential questions are part of any of our novel units. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for, you know, a unit for the outsiders or the house on mango street or bed, not buddy is one of them. The Watsons go to Birmingham. We have quite a few novel studies that you can choose from using one of your free codes. Um, so make sure that you go check it out. Know that we always have an essential question with any of our novel units to really help set you up for success. If you're not an EV teachers club member yet, we'd love to invite you to join our wait list. We open up the EV teachers club every so often throughout the year. And you'll be the first to know when we do open, if your name is on the wait list. So go to ebacademics.com forward slash membership to add your name to the wait list. All right. With that being said, we'll see you guys next week. We will be back next week to talk about, do you remember what it is that we've got on the docket? Don't, she puts me on the spot oh, like this, bell ringers. guys. Bell ringers, a Yay. big topic. I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about that. It's going to be a great topic. All right. Have a wonderful rest of the week, you guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye, Bye everybody. everyone.